0: Hello and welcome to the Emerald Gamescast episode 70. My name is Nolan. With me is
1: I'm Janelle. And
0: as always, the lovely and marvelous I'm Alex.
1: Why am I not either of those things? You're 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 both
0: the lovely and marvelous. I you know, maybe next time I'll introduce you with some with some superlatives and maybe I'll I'll play him down next or something.
1: Whatever you say. I get all the
0: superlatives and you don't get any.
1: Shut your fucking mouth.
0: <laughs> I, I, I feel that, listener, you should enjoy this episode because there seems to be some discord in the cast. This might be the last one before we, we, we break up and do our solo albums. Yeah. Yeah. What's, Which what's... would be fun. Solo solo podcast.
2: Yeah,
1: I <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Not
2: very fun. I'm going to be the Paul McCartney of the, the group and just make <laughs> awful dog shit music when I go independent.
1: He's pretty, he's pretty
2: good. Is Paul no, McCartney not no. good?
1: He was for a bit after.
0: Is he not well, anymore? like a little bit. What after? about when he worked with Kanye. I, a, well, I didn't listen
1: right. to it.
0: I don't listen to oh, it. Was that? Is that I feel Donda? Like, is that Mom? I feel
2: like
1: most of mom. Paul McCartney's
2: single <laughs> efforts have been real bad. Yeah. Like, you know, Temporary Secretary new, um, is legendary, and then, like, Wonderful Christmas Time is one of the worst songs ever written.
0: I'm going to do Ringo Star, where I just make MS Paint art and uh, do, <laughs> yeah. do nothing yeah. of any value to anyone.
1: <laughs> John Lennon, except, except for Without the Being Murdered part, because I John- like wearing linen.
0: John Lennon, but <laughs> alive. Yeah, John John Lennon nailed it. He he did great, right? I mean, we can agree on that. Yeah, this guy came ah, out of yeah. the gate swinging, made some made some good songs. He got some airtime at the Olympics opening ceremony this year. He was there. Himself. <laughs> he was there it was,
1: himself. It was fucked up. It was it's nasty.
0: crazy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're not too far off from that reality though. I mean, like this this Anthony Bourdain documentary deep faked his voice to have him narrate parts of it. You know, posthumously, like. We've had the... Um, uh, the Prince thing. The Tupac concert, the Prince thing. There was that one commercial where Audrey Hepburn was driving a car yeah. that came out in like 2015. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? There like, was uh, a movie a while ago. There was a movie a while ago
2: that they really wanted to uh, cast, uh, what's his face in, um, James Dean? It was like a war movie that was being made like last yeah. year. And people were like, what the fuck? This dude's dead. You could hire literally any other white dude actor who's alive.
0: And also... It's That's... weird because he's not that somebody else is still going to be acting for him, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's like a it's like motion capture. Is that what it is?
1: The the taking jobs from other actors part isn't even the thing that bothers me the most. It's that I don't think that anybody should be able to do anything with anyone's likeness after they die. Yeah, like, and that. Well, it, anything it like that, right? You want to release like that, a book yeah. or
2: shit? I don't care. Do whatever. Yeah, fine. But like... Release a
1: fucking book. But don't like make Anthony Bourdain say words that he didn't say because yeah. that makes me feel yucky. That's Did love up. that. Did love that movie, though. Oh, did, movie. did you see it? Yeah, we saw it. it the day it came out and I cried a lot. It was a good movie. Listeners, I'm going to make a, a cooking podcast. Sorry, other cooking podcasts whose name I won't say because I don't want to steal my own listeners. I don't think they're um, still
2: going because uh, one of them graduated. Oh. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's sad. That was a good show. It was. I really liked it.
0: Um, We graduated,
1: too. Well, sort of. We still
0: have some credits You're still taking classes. You're still taking classes. We're still taking classes, and that's why we're still here talking about video games, too. It's a little bit of a loophole we got going on. Let's um, do that. We
1: each have a couple... Well, we each have a game to talk about, and then we have a group game to talk about.
0: I I think maybe that... I know that we've all reviewed games before. I think this might be the first time that each of us has had our own game, because we've been getting... Press codes uh, coming in hot and fast here off the off the presses here, and we don't usually have this many. We have four.
1: I have one that's coming up that I'm not allowed to talk about yet, but I'm very excited for it.
0: You can say what it is. It's it's, can it's, you? it's embargoed, but yeah, it's just, already I'm announced. Not allowed
1: to review it. It's Button City. I'll yeah. be reviewing that in our next episode.
0: I think it's embargoed until like the early August, August 9th, something like that. August eighth. Yeah. So next time, yeah, episode seventy one comes out, we can talk about yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But for now. Can can I just can I just do mine first? Yeah, go ahead yeah, and start ahead. Us
0: off with uh, your your okay. game here.
1: Okay, mine is an adventure narrative game called Where the Heart Leads. You play as this guy who fall kind of falls into the. He's in a big pit. He's in a big hole appears in the ground, and he has to go into it to save his dog. And then he falls further into it, and he can't get out. And while he's trying to get out, he's like uncovering memories of his that help him like find his way out of this big hole, I guess. I haven't finished the game. Um, I played a couple hours of it. So this is just first impressions. But I... oh, I don't like negatively reviewing things. It makes me feel terrible. But I didn't like a second of what I played of this game. Um, I did find the art fairly charming. um, But I don't have a lot of positive things to say about it. In fact, I saw... Another review on Push Square, and they were saying that just like real life, it's long and it's got a lot of bad parts. Um, it's about <laughs> so- a t- it's a twenty-hour game or so, so I definitely didn't play all of it. Um, yeah.
2: But what what like is the game like? So, what were you doing in it? Yeah,
1: so it's this. You don't really do a whole lot. Um, you're kind of just following this guy around and choosing dialogue options as he goes around on this narrative right um i didn't have like you'll press x to interact with things sometimes but mostly you're just choosing dialogue options which i guess like do have a really big impact on the end of the game there's i forget the exact number but there's quite a few endings i hear so the choices are the main part of the game like um one of the early ones was you decide if in your past, in your memory, you want to have helped your dad with something that he asked you for help with, or if you want to go run off and play with your brother instead. Little things like that that add to different like storylines. Um,
0: is, um, is it sort of Kentucky Route Zero style in the sense that your choices are impactful in a kind of like narrative color sense, but not really in a arc sense, if that makes sense? Like you're choosing things to define the story yourself, or are these actually changing outcomes of... Of moments,
1: from what I can tell, it's changing outcomes okay. of moments, and mm-hmm. also just the story that you play. Like mm-hmm. I can only imagine that, like the next choice that I had following that would have been a lot different had I gone with my brother instead. Okay. Um, and yeah, you get to decide you
0: chose the dad. Oh. I did. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm
1: I'm a sucker for sad dad story. Yeah, yeah. And his dad owned a greenhouse and he wanted help with flowers, yeah. so naturally okay. I'm okay. like, yeah, "I'll go with yeah. dad." But um. That's
0: where Nell's Hartley to tell you
1: to flowers <laughs> and dads. Um, <laughs> it just, yeah, I don't know. My main problems with it, it, the dialogue was pretty cheese ball. Um, I thought it was a little bit too on the nose and written kind of tumblery, I guess you could say. Um, like they, ch- it, it's hard to articulate this. It feels like they were trying so hard to make everyone sound natural that they sounded unnatural. You know what I mean?
2: Hmm. Okay. I getcha. Yeah. I getcha.
1: So that was, that was weird. Um, smaller things that sound like nitpicks, but when you're sitting down and playing a video game, they become really noticeable. It's so the music. Um, in each area, the music is just like on a very short track, and it just goes over and over and over again, and it starts to really get irritating to hear the same song over and over and over again when you're in one area. Um, is
0: the So like writing and music, I know... It- it is, is, how is the atmosphere? Because from what I'm looking at from some of the photos I've seen of this game, it looks like um, something that would be intriguing to me. It's kind of got like a magical realism vibe. It sort of yeah. looks like a surreal, like maybe some, correct me if I'm wrong, it almost looks like the characters' sort of memories and emotions are sort of informing the like set dressing in a they way. They is are. that what's going like, on?
1: There was one spot where there was no crossing mm-hmm. over this...
0: Oh dropped a coaster. Don't worry about it.
1: <laughs> there wasn't a way to cross this gap in the ground, but then he had a memory about like something, like a conversation that he had with his wife when they were kids, I believe. I might be getting the specifics a little bit wrong. But then because of that memory, like some ground shows up and appears and then he can cross over it.
0: So the environment is is sort of like a manifestation of the, the characters sort of yeah. in inner... Yeah, okay. Yeah,
1: and that seems really cool and I'm a lot of sure potential there, yeah. Yeah, there is a lot of potential there. And I think that if I played more of it, maybe I would change my mind about it. It just my first impression was really negative. We'll see. I I guess it's pretty I near the end it pulls at your heartstrings, I hear. Um, a big part of the game is about your relationship with your wife who you met when you were kids. So naturally I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. But it just hasn't really stuck in the landing for me. Mm-hmm. It's pretty melodramatic. The really cool atmosphere just isn't even landing for me because of the rest of the game is so middling. So that's, yeah.
0: I have to wonder, you know, if it might not help also that we just finished Kentucky Route Zero. (laughs)
1: That's possible. That's Definitely possible. Which it is, just...
0: a, like, masterfully nails what it sounds like this game is coming for. Yeah. yeah. And then they're, they're played the same way with the same kind of yeah. vibe, it sounds like, right?
1: Kind of, yeah. Like, it just seems like they tried to be Kentucky Route Zero, but they didn't really stick the landing. And, I don't know, It just some of the dialogue really... Do you guys have this problem where... There's nothing technically wrong with a line, but you're like, I hated that. Like, I just hated how that sounded. It didn't feel
2: Yeah, realistic. absolutely. Sure, yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's like you were saying, it sounds like they're trying too hard to be, like, natural and relatable, and it comes off feeling artificial.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the way that the story happens doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It, it seemed like they really wanted to find a reason to have him in this situation. So the game opens up, and there's this huge storm and everyone in your family is outside except for you, and they're screaming for the dog because I guess there was this sinkhole appeared, and the family dog fell down in the sinkhole. Lassie. Lassie, yeah. So you have to go save Lassie, but you do so by, like, getting in this bathtub that for whatever reason they had hanging over, like, a tree branch and then, like, pulling one of those pulley systems to, like, get yourself down, and then you save the dog, and you put the dog back up in a bucket. And it's like, why do they have this bathtub on a tree? Like, does... I don't know what I'm trying to say. It just... It seemed like they could have had a more natural way to have this guy, like, be down in a hole in the ground. Just make him fall on the ground. Don't put him in a bathtub first. I don't know. It just seemed like they really wanted to get to the emotional stuff, as like, as quickly as possible, and... Like, I don't care if this guy's in a hole right now, is all I have to say about it, I guess. I don't know. I'll play more of it. Maybe my opinion will change, but for the most part, I'd skip it.
2: And that was where the heart leads?
1: Yeah. My heart did not lead me there.
2: Yeah, your heart did not lead you into that hole.
1: Yeah, I felt mean. I don't like doing that.
0: So I mean, you can't positively oh. review everything. Why? Because that's not how it works. That'd oh, be ridiculous.
1: Man. When I... Nell's Review Corner, we we talk about Animal Crossing, because that never displeases me. Mm. What's next?
0: Um, I got a game called Chernobylite um, by a studio called Farm 51, which uh, is, you know, I don't, I don't they're not a debut studio. They've had one game before this, but uh, they're not, you know, AAA. So I would say this game is sort of a, you know, you ever heard of like Eurojank? You know, oh, like, yeah. Sort yeah. of stalkerish um so Chernobyl is a, is a really intriguing game. It is, uh, as you can probably guess, set in Chernobyl. Uh, I'd say, like, you know, Stalker is the most comparable um, analog here, but it is a game where you are an explorer in the Chernobyl exclusion zone um, searching for your wife who died in the you know the disaster in 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 89 but the game takes place in the modern day so for some reason the story is is yet to reveal because um, I've, I've played you know about like maybe, maybe maybe like a third of this game so far maybe less than that um she is either still alive or some kind of ghostly presence kind of informing you so you're you're going mm-hmm. through and trying to you know discover where she is while also dodging monsters and all that so from the, from the pitch there, um, you know, I'd forgive you if you'd think it sounds kind of generic.
1: That's the exact mm-hmm. description of Silent Hill 2.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> so Like, literally
1: the exact description of Silent Hill 2. It,
0: it is, um, in its setup, a fairly generic game, which is, I think, what I expected going into this. Uh, but... The gameplay systems that Chernobylite is is making use of, I feel like really deserve highlighting because this game's kind of fascinating in, in the sense that it is a a synthesis of what has worked in so many other breakout games um, into its own blend of of uh, of gameplay that is is just really surprising and, and interesting. Like, okay, for example, you take the base building mechanic from Fallout 4, which was a, a pretty good way to, like, make scrap and resources within a world matter, which comes up in Chernobylite a lot because you're doing a lot of scavenging and, and um, you know, scanning a environment to pick up, like, scrap parts and, and scrap metal and stuff. You come back to your base and you can build, you know, furniture and and lighting and generators and they basically borrow all of that whole cloth from from Fallout 4. But I think the main problem with the base building in Fallout 4 is that it ends up being sort of useless. You you can do it and there there are Um, some benefits to building a base with enough bedding and food for everyone. But by and large, you you can also get away with choosing to completely ignore it in a game like Fallout 4, except you'll you'll get pestered to go defend your settlement or whatever. But in this game, you know, they take that and they essentially combine it with, like, the survival systems from uh, This War of Mine, Mm -hmm. if anyone's played that.
1: Yeah, I like that game.
0: So the game is running on a day-night cycle, and every night you're having to choose um, which of your men to distribute food rations to, um, you know, who to, who to punish, who to praise based off of how much they're contributing. Everyone has their own level of, um, you know, psych- psychological health and physical health. There are injuries. There are different needs you have to meet. Um, and then the way that the gameplay loop works is that you'll start the day in your base, and you know you can do whatever you want, upgrade your stuff, set your furniture out. I spend a lot of time just decorating. You're in this old warehouse with the view of Chernobyl, and you 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 can build stuff just like lamps and desks and chairs and stuff just to decorate, just for fun. But even those, they have statistics that play into like a comfort level, so you get psyche bonuses for all your people if you decorate well, things like that. So each day you wake up in the base, you go to your overlook of Chernobyl. And you can look at a list of all of the things that are available for you to do. Like, you're, you'll get intel where somebody will say, the soldiers have dropped a crate of medicine at the Pripyat port, and then there is a ammo box in Red Forest, and we've heard about this contact who can make trades inside of the uh, you know the military checkpoint. And you can look at all these things and you can go, okay, I'm going to go to the Pripyat port and pick up the medicine. I'm going to send... Um, Eggvany down to the military zone to meet with the traitor you can choose like who to give what equipment sort of set everything up and you're acting as kind of a strategist and then when you go out and play the mission that is when it is kind of a more generic first person shooter right you're going out and doing what really honestly is like fairly mediocre combat and scavenging but it stays so interesting because all of it plays back into that metagame back at the base and then the real kicker is that this game is totally based off of narrative choices. That uh, you know, no, I won't give any spoilers, but um, I would say that so far, this game does seem to be one of those rare games where the choices you make actually do matter quite a lot. And outside of just narrative moments, whenever you send anyone on a mission out in the world, they they can get killed, they can get kidnapped, they can get injured and need to be saved, and the story would would continue just without those characters. And they're not generic, unnamed characters. They're all, like, specific, scripted, named characters that have their own place in the plot and story, and the story will just adapt to them moving out. So, you know, it's it's a great example of, like, a game with a really janky base that is just expanded so well on it that even though it has, like, mediocre combat and mediocre scavenging, it, it just ends up being so interesting and and, and fun to play. Um, and I'm not sure where it's going to go or anything, but it seems like it's all leading up towards this big heist where you have to, like, meticulously plan, you know, kind of Mass Effect 2 style, where, like, the game is leading up to one big mission that if you screw up, you'll lose your people or whatnot. So. Hmm. It's real. It's real intriguing, and and I should mention Farm Fifty One. The devs actually flew out to the Chernobyl exclusion zone and um, explored it, took photos, and did three D scans and everything. And the game map is actually a um, like street accurate to the layout recreation of Chernobyl and, and Pripyat, according to them. Wow, which is really cool. That if you're into this stuff, cool. it's it's. I mean, it's uh, more accurate to the real place than something like Stalker is. Yeah. You know?
1: So when we played this War of Mine together, it didn't really land for you.
0: Yeah, not not really. I, the, this War of Mine has that interesting meta game, but the gameplay is not fun, okay. and the gameplay is very difficult to. It, it's one of those things where, like, I have nothing wrong with games being punishing, but the game isn't very clearly telegraphing what you can and can't do, and the gameplay is so clunky that it's like when you fuck up in this War of Mine and you get shot or something, and the combat is so janky, you, you don't feel like you're able to fight back. It just doesn't, it's not very fun to screw up because it's like, it's so easy to screw up when you are doing everything right, if that makes sense in, okay. this, in this war of mine.
1: That does make sense.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not not because I don't like the uh, stress of having to manage food and psych and everything, because that's actually, I think, a really, really intriguing part of this game. And I'm, I'm sure it will be something that affects the narrative as well, because you can have your characters Um, They can get angry at you and they can desert you, leave your team. They can betray you, all kinds of things like that. Mm -hmm. And it's all kinds of interesting choices that happen mid-mission too, outside of the metagame. Like on one of the first missions, I was trying to sneak into the power plant. And um, I got caught by a guard. And instead of the game transitioning from stealth into combat, the guard actually approached and like apprehended me. But I was able to um, talk to him, like I opened a Fallout-style dialogue window, and uh, I was able to, to bluff, but he, he, he caught me on it, he didn't believe my bluff, so I was able to point out that he and the other guards were drinking on the job, and was saying that if they let me through, that I wouldn't report them. And so the guards, instead of attacking me, you know, one of them gave a symbol and said, all right, all right, let this guy through, and then all the guards in the level became non-hostile. Because I was blackmailing them.
1: That's really cool. it's
0: super, super good. That really sold me on the game early on. I was like, I, I I've, it seems like a really simple thing you could do, but I don't know why I've never had a game do something like that outside of like a Bethesda style RPG, right? But this game not being an RPG, just being a first person shooter, having something like that ends up feeling very surprising.
1: Yeah. Do you recommend it?
0: Yeah, I recommend it, for sure. I'm going to play more of it tonight. I, I haven't played enough of it to give a uh, a, a full review. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'll let you guys know how it pans out later.
1: You know, when we saw the trailer at, I think it was E3, mm-hmm. and I saw the game, I was like, this looks really cool. And then the title made me think it, I don't know, the title totally changed my mind. They shouldn't have named it Chernobylite. I think that's a really bad name. Chernobylite
0: makes it sound kind of like an indie game, because it sounds like... It's saying like it's a light version of Chernobyl almost to me. Yeah. But what it actually refers to is um, the game's sort of own version of unobtainium. You know, it's this like mineral that the radiation created called Chernobylite, which lets you, if you collect Chernobylite, I forgot to mention this. This is really fascinating. Sorry. This is the last thing I'm going to say about this game, I swear. You can collect Chernobylite to power up a Rick and Morty style portal gun that you have <laughs> in your pocket. And... No joke, what it lets you do is open a portal that lets you look at all of the possible timelines and outcomes of the different narrative choices, and you can spend Chernobylite to hop into the other world lines and undo choices, which is really, really interesting.
1: That is interesting. Yeah,
0: that's the part I didn't mention, but that that's probably the game's kind of, like, most, uh like... Standout mechanic in terms of you know I feel like I'm playing Steinsgate over here.
1: That's really perfect cool. For you.
0: And then at the end of the mission, you open a portal with your Rick and Morty gun, and it teleports you back to base. So that's that's another thing you can do with it.
1: Please stop calling it a Rick and Morty. Gun. <laughs> it's basically you know, that's, it's, I'm getting
0: wild tonal dissonance there. I, I mean, it it is it is t- treated in a totally straight laced way. I am just saying it functions the exact same way as the Rick and Morty gun. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> You just walk up and you grab a big hunk of Chernobylite and jam it in the front of the gun, and then you just get to pick different world lines. It's very cool. I
1: wish they wouldn't have called it that, though. I hate that. What? Chernobylite. 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 Yeah.
0: yeah. It's very, like, unobtainium, isn't it? Yeah. 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 A little on the nose, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. But overall, you like it? Very much. Okay, cool. All
2: right. Now I guess it's my turn. Uh, well, actually, turn. we all played it. We all played a little bit yeah. of this. Yeah. Uh, this is a game called Samurai Gun 2. Um, so full disclosure, this game is currently in early access, meaning it is still a work in progress. If you buy it now, you are buying an, uh, an incomplete version. Uh, the Steam page says they plan to take about a year to finish it, uh, but it's not finished yet. That being said, this game fucking rules. It is a sort of like platform fighter party game, kind of, where you are a little samurai man, a little pixel samurai man, you got to fight your friends and you have your sword that you can just slash and you have three bullets. You can either shoot the bullets like normally for like a projectile attack. You can eat one of the bullets to dash, which uh, dodges any other attacks, or you can combine a dash and a shoot to release like one super bullet that eats up two bullets. So it becomes this very fun game of, like, reading people's, uh, like, moves and keeping track in your head of, like, how many bullets have they used. Is there a chance they could use a bullet here? It is It is so unbelievably fast-paced and fun and stylish. The game just oozes with style, right? Like, the menu theme is this super intense song by uh, the guy who did uh, Into, the, Into the Gungeon, uh, Do- Dosun, I think his name is. I couldn't tell you how to pronounce it. But it's super, super cool. Um, One thing that I really liked about this game that I noticed only after playing it online a bunch was that the more kills are got in the game, the more backing instrumentals are in the, the game. So, like, the game starts silent. And then you get a kill and there's like drums and you get a kill and there's like a backing like string instrument that that goes to that. And it just like compounds more and more until it just becomes like this super intense, super cool sounding song. Um, It's fucking awesome. There is a single player mode, too, which is which is cool, but it's it's fine. It's kind of just like, oh, you just fight like generic NPC enemies, which are not nearly as fun or interesting as fighting the main enemies. And I'm really glad this game came out because it was supposed to come out in 2019 under uh, Double Fine's, like, indie publishing thing that they were doing. And then Double Fine got bought out by uh, Microsoft, by Xbox, and they had to stop all of the indie publishing. Uh, so a lot of the people that were publishing with them were kind of just, like, left on their own. Like, remember Ublitz? Ublitz hmm was a game, and they ended up partnering with Epic because Epic was like, hey, we'll give you guys money if you want to be an exclusive on our store. And they got just like horrible death threats and attacks because they they dared to partner with someone who was giving them money. Um,
1: Bastards. But
2: yeah, but so Samurai Gun Two decided to self publish, and and I'm really really happy to see this game come to the light of day because this is a game that I've been looking forward to for actually quite a while. I remember playing it at PAX, and I have the little uh, the little like. Uh, Thing that they gave away at PAX right in front of me is just a, li- a little like card that was like the description of the game. It says coming out in 2019 on PC <laughs> and Nintendo Switch, which is still supposed to be coming out on Switch, but only after they get done with their uh, their early access port. Um, I personally enjoyed this game so much. I bought copies of it for my for other friends so that they could play it too, because I was like this game is really really cool. But I also got to play it with you guys. And yeah. what did, what real quick? What do you guys think of it?
1: I really liked it, um, like, a lot. I was worried at first because it seemed like Duck Game, which is a game I don't like, because not only is it extremely fast-paced, there are so many different weapons that I don't know how to use, and I don't have time to try to, like, figure out how to use them, so that game doesn't land for me. So I didn't think this game would either, but at least what we played so far, it was a lot more simple than Duck Game, and that made it really fun to like just jump into and play like it's pretty easy to figure out um and yeah you're right the music is really cool i really like specifically how different characters have different like weapons like um the spelunky two main character anna she's in it and she doesn't have bullets she has bombs and that's really good.
0: Yeah, funny.
2: yeah. I won't tolerate the Duck Game slander, but that's a, that's a very good point. I mean, yeah, I hard... totally
1: get why people like Duck Game. It's just, for me, it's hard for me to, like, my brain to wrap itself around. So, I don't... No, I get,
2: I'm, I'm just giving you a hard time. I gotcha. Um, I don't yeah, getcha. I think you're wrong.
1: Okay. Well, no,
0: no, I, I also think she's <laughs> wrong, but, you know.
1: I'm not saying it's a bad game. I'm saying my I brain know. doesn't work.
0: No, we get <laughs> no, it. We no, get it. It's fine. Um, yeah, no, I like it a lot. It's pretty similar to Samurai Gun 1, I think. Um... I didn't play enough of Samurai Gun original to know uh, what this game is doing to really differentiate itself. That being said, in a game like this that is uh, very focused on being competitive, very focused on uh, being uh, readable and, you know, consistent, a lot of times what sequels like this can do is not introduce some new mechanic, but just fine-tune it even further to make it more... Fun in kind of an intangible way, and I and I I will say, I liked this game immediately and wanted to keep playing it for a long time. Whereas Samurai Gun original, I kind of fell off after probably less than twenty minutes. So, I don't know what it is that has been done here, because um, like again, it's pretty intangible. But whatever it is, it's it's really uh, it's really pushing the button for me. It feels like the most fun part of fighting games, you know, is reading your opponent and trying to counter them and it, the immense satisfaction you get when you um, are correct and when, when your plan works and you, you, you get that KO, that feeling and that sort of constant back and forth of, of guessing and reading is like what this game distills into the purest sort of like crystalline form that you can just do, you know, once every like 15, 20 seconds and it it is it's it's like crack man it's like fucking crack it's so good yeah yeah the, the the game feels really
2: really good the game still is in early access but i really really hope that they take a second look at their online system because it feels weirdly primitive the way that like everyone can control the menu if you're in like a party yeah and like
1: Yeah, we were at a party and I wasn't in one of the matches and I, like, alt tab to do something else and it paused the game for you guys. Yeah, yeah. That was weird.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. And also, for a game like this, where it's this fast and this frantic, I feel like rollback netcode is something that should be really, really strongly considered and looked into. I think that would help this game a lot. Um, But this is their first time going online. The first Samurai Gun game didn't even have an online function,
0: right? Definitely it would benefit from... From good netcode, um, though I will say, all of us living, you know, within uh, 200 miles or so from one another, our match, at least to me, felt, uh, you know, pretty flawless in terms of connectivity and, and, and responsiveness. Um, I'm, I'm sure that the game struggles, as most do, um, if you're playing with somebody, you know, on the East Coast, or in a different country, and uh, with a game like this, the player base is going to be smaller, so that that mm-hmm. probably will be a problem but if if you're playing with your with your friends and you're pretty close together um or you're just playing locally it's like, it's good it, wor- it works really well so yeah it, it's it's in a it's in a solid state um but anything can benefit from improvements for sure
1: definitely
2: yeah i i, yeah. I played with my friend who lives in new york and we were fine i didn't notice yeah. anything she didn't notice anything but no, when that's i played good. when i would play random matches online some of them would be real rough yeah um, but I guess that's that's the price you pay for for playing a random match. But but overall, this game is super cool. It is frantic and fast paced and fun to get together with some friends and just like slash each other around a little bit. Um, it oozes with style. Its presentation is so goddamn cool.
0: It comes mm-hmm. with a comic mm-hmm. too. It does. Yeah. I, didn't, like, I didn't read that.
2: It's really pretty. Um, I don't think it scales correctly on my my uh, one. 4-0, I don't know how to pronounce that, I'm bad at numbers. 1440p? Uh, yeah, my 1440p monitor, I don't think it scales quite correctly, but it still looks really nice. Um, I'm, really hap- I'm, I'm really happy that this game saw the light of day, and I'm really happy that I get to play it, because it's very, very good. Samurai Gun. Samurai Gun 2, yeah.
1: Yeah, and for all three of these devs, thank you for sending us codes. Um, even yeah. if the game doesn't land, it's still really cool to see what people are making, and when a game does land, that's even better. So.
0: I'm, I'm so excited to come home from work and play more Chernobylite. J- Janelle and I <laughs> have a system going right now where like, I, I am, um, at the end of the base game of Final Fantasy 14, pretty much just cleaning up stuff, waiting to go into the first expansion. And she is, is currently playing the base game of Final Fantasy 14, about 15 levels behind where I am. And, uh. What we've been doing and, I, and and what I hope to do tonight when I get home from this goddamn pizza serving job is that I'll be over here playing a game like Chernobylite and whenever she gets... To, she'll be playing Final Fantasy fourteen behind me and when she gets to a dungeon, I'll save my game, quit, launch FF and queue into her party, play the dungeon <laughs> and then quit FF and go back to whatever I was playing. <laughs>
1: it's, it's an excellent... It's system.
0: really fun. It's it's great. I, I, I love... FF14 man I love it so much. I know. Who doesn't? Uh, cool. Well, some people don't. Alex didn't really like it and that cool. makes sense. Yeah. MMOs, if you don't already want to play an MMO, you open an MMO and you're like, "Fuck, I already have a job. I don't want this second <laughs> job." <laughs>
1: we we do have one more game though that wasn't um given to us. Yeah. Alex, do you want to talk about it?
2: Yeah, yeah, sure. I think we got time to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, there's a little game that came out a very weird little game called pokemon unite um this game was announced i think last year okay let's let let me set the stage here this game when this game was announced last year they had a pokemon presentation which was like the pokemon company's little nintendo direct that they do um where they were like hey we're announcing these new games and new projects that are coming out and tune in tomorrow to see another exclusive project so people were like, "Oh my god! If they're gonna if they're gonna have it be their own little exclusive project that they're not even putting on the same thing, this is exciting." And they were met with a Pokemon MOBA, Woo! which was developed by Timmy, T I M I, a 10 Cent <laughs> Studio that is releasing exclusively on mobile and Switch. Cool. Uh, so people people yeah people were pretty <laughs> mad about that uh, for a lot of reasons, um, and it got like a lot of hate. I think it was like they tried to re-upload the trailer because it got so many dislikes, and then the next time they re-uploaded the trailer, it got twice as many dislikes on YouTube. Um, But people were not super happy about this game when it was first announced. Uh, It wasn't what people wanted, and just in general, it was a perfect storm for gamers to be mad at. Um, But it came out recently, and I was like, ah, you know what, it's free, I'll give it a shot. It is a very weird game. It functions... So there's no creeps. There's no, like... And there's not really any towers that can hurt you, right? So it's kind of just constant team fights, and the wild Pokemon, quote unquote, are like what you would find in in the jungle, in in different MOBAs. And I'm no expert on MOBAs. I tried to play Dota with with my friend, and she tried to teach me, and I and I didn't, I couldn't learn. I don't I don't care much for real MOBAs. I did play a bit of Heroes of the Storm and enjoyed that, but I never got into any MOBAs. So
0: the good MOBA. Bear with me here. What the good MOBA.
2: Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a Pokemon Unite is really interesting. It's very, very like simplified, and it makes it so you're constantly like team fighting, which is like the fun part of MOBAs when you're able to like fight the enemy, and it's not just a constant like struggle to build up, right? Uh-huh. Um, it's it's weird, and it feels weird to play it with a controller, but I think it kind of works. Uh, just partially just because of how simple and straightforward it is. There's no items or anything. Uh, when you level up your Pokemon, you can get you pick from like a pool of two, uh, like two different moves each. So you get total like, you get total two moves, and then each of those two moves has two options. So it's like, do you want to have this move or this move, and it kind of changes the build a little bit, but not like prohibitively
0: so. And you're leveling, like you're beginning every match at level one, and you're gaining yes, abilities yes. as you go. Okay.
2: Yeah, you you level up your Pokemon as you play. So like, yeah. if you're can playing, you evolve? a... can you like? A, yeah, yeah, you evolve. That's cool. So if you're playing, like, a Charizard, you'll end the match as a... as a, Or if you're playing as a Charmander, you'll end the match as a Charizard. Unless you um, suck. Yeah, unless you're just really, really bad. Um, <laughs> but you, you collect energy, little energy balls from wild Pokemon, and when you kill an enemy Pokemon, you get whatever energy balls they've collected. So feeding isn't automatically a problem it's like if you're running in with like full energy balls then it'll be a problem but like if you just die to the the enemy team they don't immediately get points right it's whatever they happen to be collecting and carrying that's that when you die becomes a problem
0: Uh, that seems like a pretty good way to handle that
1: yeah i agree yeah
0: especially for Uh, a game that's designed to be casual and i would assume to hopefully prevent like there being an elitist community
1: Well, Well, here's the
0: thing about that.
1: There always is,
0: right?
2: So, the thing about that is there are items that you can get in the game, and you just unlock through playing. And you can level up these items that you get, which have different abilities, right? Some of them are like, oh, they give you slightly more health, or like, you get slightly more health regen. Or you move faster when you're not in combat. Like, little buffs that, like, you can use to build your character in a specific way. Uh these items have like upgrades you can like get upgrades for them to make them slightly stronger like by like fractions of percentages right uh and what people found out is that you can actually buy these items you can buy the upgrades to these items that just make you stronger in some way oh so yeah so if you want to shell out like a hundred bucks or so i think uh there were some people on youtube that did this for for yucks but if you want to shell out the money you can just pay to win the video game and just pay more money to be stronger inherently that than sucks. anyone else. That yeah, it's, it super sucks. It's not good at all which is frustrating because this game is like fun. It's like a decent little game and I've enjoyed playing but like the idea that like, oh, somebody, there's a chance that that person who just killed me just like paid an exuberant amount of money to be able to kill me more efficiently than anyone else, right? Yeah. Like, that's frustrating. Totally. It's it's one thing to pay for cosmetics and, like, even characters, unfortunately, which is kind of the standard in, in most MOBAs, but when you're paying for something that just de facto improves the video game in a competitive multiplayer setting, that, that really sucks. No good. Um, it's no good at all, and I have a hard time recommending it. And what's even more frustrating is I can't be like, oh, well, maybe they'll remove it, because everyone is playing it me included because we're all like oh it's a fun game right but the problem with it is so big that like i i I don't know if i can really justify it in good conscience that makes sense yeah um how many pokemon are there like uh what what do you got a decent amount a decent amount 30 40 or something uh, like that or it, they not uh not quite that much i think it's like 20 okay um but they and give it, you a couple as like an incentive to keep playing the game and like you can unlock them through playing i haven't paid uh a single dime is it is, game, it is it is an
0: interesting selection or is it kind of like a uh sort of like greatest hits Did, like does this have the uh, gen 1 favoritism problem or do you get some no there's some weirdos throwments. in there yeah.
2: there's some weird, like you've got pikachu you've got uh two of the gen 1 starters uh charizard and uh venusaur sure um but you've got some weirdos in there like crustal who's like the huh. the crab the the hermit crab pokemon that's like in a like a chunk of earth okay um you've got one of the new legendaries who looks legendaries. like a digimon yeah yeah you can play know, as okay. a one i forget its name is aurora i don't know Zororora? i don't know but uh it looks like a digimon the one looks weird
0: the like z pokemon from
2: yeah, I think so. Ultra. Uh, no, no, accent. no, not that one. That's from uh Yeah, it, it's from the uh the Hawaiian themed one. I forget which one. Moon? Moon, yeah. Sun and Moon.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um you've got a Jigglypuff, which can evolve into a Wigglytuff, uh, which is, you know not not everyone's first pick. And they all play like really fun. They have like different roles. Like Crustle's whole thing is like uh he can like build a wall to like block people off. Uh, so you can just, like, corner them and get, like, team kills. Like May. By... Yeah, kind of like May. Kind of like May. Um, hmm, but yeah, okay. it's, it's frustrating, because it's it's a fun game underneath the hood. But I can't justify the idea that, like, you are paying for things that improve your performance in the game. Like, yeah. Like, that, that just sucks.
0: I hope that they do get rid of that. I understand, you know, and I agree with you, that it's sort of a long shot, considering that if if, uh, if people are... Uh, going to do it, and they're going to make money off of it. They probably won't, especially because you said it's a ten cent game. And uh, my understanding is that those types of systems are not as controversial um, within Chinese player bases, um, and, are, and are actually I, yeah. actually quite common. Um, yeah. in, in in a lot of those games, so I've
2: heard that too. I don't know how true that is, but I've definitely heard that too. I'm that, sure that there's plenty of Chinese gamers who are also upset about this. But oh no, but for yeah. sure I'm not. I'm not
0: Just saying as that
1: a, as a market. I'm saying mean. as, yeah, I
0: as a market. Um, it it is something you often see um, in games from uh, China and South Korea, specifically in in multiplayer games. Um, I shouldn't say specifically. I should say particularly because it's in all markets. But um, yeah, it's yeah. specifically prolific in those markets, and it seems like it isn't as much of a. It's it's a little bit more standard, like a little easier to get away with. So, yeah. Um.
2: But you know, hopefully that becomes reevaluated. Fingers crossed. I don't yeah. have a lot of faith in it, but
0: you know, glad it's fun though, and it's free, so it's pretty low. You know, you just hop in yeah, and have some fun. It's, it's
2: free, but
0: yeah, you know, if you pay money for it, you will be
2: better. Yep. Right. It's not just you don't just buy a cool costume for your Pokemon. Like they'll just be better at you than than you at it. Um. So do we want to go ahead and skip to the last story because I think that's the most important one here.
1: I wanted to and quickly, I... really quick, at like thirty seconds, okay. just mention an update to a story from a few weeks ago. Um, we talked about how Pax West is happening this year with no, like mask, rec- I mean, vaccine requirements or anything. Um, they updated that today say that now you have to either have been vaccinated and bring in your card or have a negative test and, like, some proof of it. So that's a cool update. I know we were all pretty upset about that, and I personally feel – at least a little bit better about it happening now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: I think that was smart of them. I'm glad that they listened to people mm-hmm. and that they made that change. So,
0: yeah, yeah I, agree. I agree. And I also agree. We should skip to the the meaty story here, but mm-hmm. I'll just say what we were going to talk about was that there was a uh, reveal at a EA Play conference of a remake of Dead Space, which, um, yeah, we won't linger on and talk about. But you know, go watch the trailer. It's very, it's very cool. Looks Look, cool. Looking yeah. forward to that. But yeah, Alex, tell us. Tell us what's going on in the big wide world here. So, so I think Bloomberg was the first one to drop
2: this, uh, but uh, dropped a uh, an article that was titled uh, "Blizzard Activision Blizzard sued over quote frat boy quote unquote culture harassment," and that title does not do it service because it it really it's worse than like that title puts into account. Like there were stories about people. And, and, and a content warning here, we're going to be talking about some, some pretty gross and uncomfortable things relating to, like, assault and treatment in the workplace, so if that's not a thing that you want to listen to, I would suggest just, like, s- not listening to the rest of this podcast, because I'm pretty sure that's what we're going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that out of the way, uh, they are talking about how male employees would push all of their work to, uh, female employees, um... And, like, how uh, black employees would be treated differently than the other ones. And they're being sued by the state of California. So this isn't, like, one person is coming with a grievance. This is, like, the entire state is, like, hey, what you're doing is not acceptable here. Um, there were stories about uh, employees not getting promotions because they are being pregnant or, or because they might become pregnant or people getting kicked out of uh, special, like, breastfeeding or lactation rooms so that colleagues could use them for meetings. Um, There were stories about male employees showing up inebriated to workplaces. Uh, There was a pretty harrowing article, again, major content warning here, pretty harrowing article about a woman who uh, took her own life, and they found out that she was being harassed by a male coworker, who... A boss. Yeah, uh, a male boss. And that there were pictures of what was assumedly her vagina being passed around at a like Christmas party. Uh, so this is it's it's like we'll link the entire thing in the uh, description below. But like each each thing that they note is like somehow more impossibly worse than the last. Um, and then they named a couple of names that have been at Blizzard for a while. Um, one of them left not too long ago, I forget his name, he was a, a wow guy. Um, and, you know, this is a personal aside, but I wonder if the exodus of people like um, Jeff Kaplan, or the uh, StarCraft guy, I can't remember his name, all of a sudden, uh, is part of this, and I hope it's not, but, you know, th- the state of California has uncovered some pretty some pretty scummy things that are happening at Blizzard right now.
1: Well, the thing is, people have been talking about this stuff for a long time. It just people tend to not listen to women on these things. Yeah. That's um, the
2: unfortunate truth of it. Yeah.
1: A tweet has been going around from about 10 years ago or so at BlizzCon. Um, was an audience member asked the panel about not like about making female characters that aren't so over-sexualized and they all just kind of laughed at her face. And they were like, can you imagine X character not looking like that? Like, it's it's frustrating for a lot of reasons. But one thing people are saying about this article in particular that I agree with is that when we call these behaviors frat boy behaviors, it's inherently implying that these are younger, like mentally younger people who are making dumb, shitty decisions without like, you know, being true grown adults. These are grown adults these are like adult men who aren't not that frat boys get a pass because they're like 18 to 20 or whatever right right but like these are grown men who know what they're doing not just like some dickhead douchebags like living in a house together right so like yeah. language like that kind of downplays the truth that like these are people who are as old as our parents behaving this way towards people, and it's completely unacceptable. Yeah, and I don't, I don't even know what to say about it. Like even if they in weren't, managerial positions weren't, for like yeah, global company, the, yeah. uh,
0: the you know phrase frat boy culture positions those kind of behaviors as something that you grow out of. Yeah, that's uh, what I was trying uh, to say. Rather than just something that you should never have been involved in at all regardless of how old you are
1: right right mm-hmm. very boys will be boys language sure yeah i don't know i haven't like really known what to say about this at all um one thing that they mentioned in this is that they had this thing called cube crawls where the male employees would drink a ton of booze and then like crawl their way through various cubicles and like engage in inappropriate behavior towards female employees like and yeah. it's I think the thing that is the most frustrating is that we're seeing all of these letters from higher ups like uh, God Jalen and Brack is that his name
2: yeah I the should, guy with the yeah. mullet right or like yeah.
1: the long hair I was how to say his last name I think it's Brack um, people like him saying like this doesn't reflect our culture and we are so surprised to hear this but like women are saying that they've gone to HR multiple times about this kind of thing happening to them and one person on Twitter was saying that she went to HR like four times for different issues that were happening. And the only time they did anything was when her boss went to HR for her. Like the company has known this stuff is going on and letters like that are just so offensive because of, of course, how, how would you not know what your senior employees are doing? Right? Like if yeah. it's that prevalent in your workplace, how do you not know that's happening?
2: I think it's super upsetting to hear their response be like, the state of California doesn't have the full picture. This is fake news, right? They are doubling down on this is either not real or not a problem if it is. Right? So
1: it's different people, right? Like JL and Brock is like, this is like abhorrent behavior. And we, I'm going to directly d- d- involve myself with this. And then the Activision Blizzard executive who sent an email said that this is fake news so like i don't know
2: they don't even have their story straight right yeah um but it's super frustrating and and blizzard is not new to controversy uh that they've usually been able to like kind of weasel their way out of right or like have people forget about it over time but this is this is pretty inexcusable and pretty just vile no matter which way you look at it um, one thing that is promising though, and this is technically breaking news because this was reported on the day we are talking about it. Um, Blizzard employees are, they say calling for a strike, but it sounds like they're describing it as a walkout, um, are going to walk out of the company after this uh, discrimination lawsuit. It's, because...
1: um, over 2,600 people, current and former employees.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All, all to protest this, this company, um, which I think is really promising I really hope that Blizzard develops a strong workers' union presence. I think this could be a really, really good way to kickstart that. Um, But, you know, I'm sure Blizzard is going to want to not let that happen. And they're going to announce something like like they have in the past, where, like, a surprise reveal or surprise sale or whatever to make people forget about it. Um, But you're you're going to be lis- you're going to be listening to this about a week after the uh, the podcast we're recording but at the time of recording they're asking people to basically not cross the picket line like yeah. don't play or don't stream the games and certainly don't buy them um there was actually a really interesting little story about uh people who canceled their uh wow subscriptions and are letting it sit out for the rest of the month uh who are doing like sit-ins They are like, with the last of their time that they have to play WoW, they are just playing it by doing nothing and making it very clear. Like, hey, we're not going to let this happen. And we're going to make that very clear before we don't resubscribe again. Right?
1: Yeah. I think one thing that's just really important to get through people's heads, and please don't, like, initially take this as me saying, it's everyone, so play Blizzard games, because that's not it at all. It's that you can't just stop playing WoW and say, I did my job. That's all of the bad in the video game industry. Like, if this is something that you actually care about, then it's really, it sucks because games are fun. It's fun to play video games and you don't want a lot of people like after work don't want to bring politics into their video games or whatever. But like, if you care about this stuff, it's important to really look into the companies whose games you're playing, especially the larger companies. But this isn't not a problem in the indie world too. And just really evaluate like who you want to support financially because you can quit playing a blizzard game and that's a really, really good start. And you should, you absolutely shouldn't be playing blizzard games anymore, but don't go to another game that has like reports of these same problems, like at riot, like league of legends and think that like you've done your whole job, if that makes sense. Um,
2: yeah, yeah. This, this is a constant issue. This is not a, a one-off anomaly. This is a constant yeah. issue that we need to be working towards. And and hopefully the presence of... The fact that they are having a walkout at the time of recording this is really promising. Hopefully that is the the start to a unionization effort. Because a big studio like Blizzard unionizing would be really, really good for um, the rest of the sort of video game space and sphere to, to start doing mm-hmm. that.
1: One thing that's worth mentioning that i saw this morning obviously this could change but a lot of the people speaking on behalf of the walkout are saying that there have not been any talks of unionizing at all within the group like as a as a whole group yeah i'm sure individuals have but so right now they're not even talking about it but hopefully that changes yeah
2: i mean this was a pretty surprising immediate thing right i imagine unionization talks will hopefully happen soon but right now they're just like here's what we can do to legally protest this without getting fired. Um, And I saw people talking about this on Twitter, like, the idea that the distinction is important legally because if you just walk out from your job, then you run the risk of getting fired. There's all sorts of, like, legal issues surrounding unions and unionizations and, like, how you're able to protest. Um, It's super frustrating. Yeah. Um, But, but yeah, I, I, you know... The, the, Blizzard's gonna have to do a whole hell of a lot if they want to redeem themselves in my eyes, personally. Um, I, I hope things change. I hope this is the start of a change. I don't want to be pessimistic, but, you know, this is something that the, the, the consumers, like Janelle was saying, which I think she said very well, consumers need to be vigilant about this, too, right? Like, it's it's great to not... We shouldn't be supporting Blizzard, but, like, keep your, keep your ear to the ground for other companies that are doing the same thing. Like, Riot like Ubisoft. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure there are other industries that we don't even know about that the same thing is probably happening. And, and now they are, their executives are, are shaking in the corner like, oh, what if someone finds out about us? Right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I don't know. It's hard to like, have like one big thing to say about it because it's like, what can you say? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like we report on stories like this a lot and it just... It's
2: depressing. It yeah. really
1: wears on you and i don't know like man gamers can be so toxic yeah
2: yeah and
1: like i don't know man like someone killed herself because of this stuff like this is real and there's still going to be a lot of people who don't care and that's that just really bothers me yeah a lot yeah
2: yeah, I, I agree. Um, but, you know, hopefully we can use this as a force for change. We can use this to help push as a force for change, right? Yeah. The idea that they are walking out is really promising. I am sure that there are people who are talking about unionization. Um, because this sort of thing isn't acceptable, right? Like, mm-hmm. we, we, sh- we should we should be doing better than this, right? We shouldn't just, yeah. we shouldn't just take like half-assed apologies from former Blizzard executives who are saying like, oh, we didn't know, when they very clearly did and were in some cases directly implicated in this, we should be f- working for and fighting for actual change in this studio and the games industry as a whole. Definitely. It's a little bit of a no, bummer no. to end the episode on, but, you know, yeah, we, thought, I we
1: know. thought it was
0: really important to talk about this.
1: Yeah. Any thoughts, Noel?
0: I was just letting you guys talk through it. I just think it's just real sad. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean we've been reporting on stories of a you know, similar similar stories since like the first episode. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't uh it wasn't the same type of allegations, but uh, industry abuse of one way or another, you know, whether it be sexual harassment, whether it be crunch time, whether it be um Inadequate work conditions, um, all kinds of things, are a rampant issue in the games industry. Um, let alone things like terrible job security, um, things like being treated as uh, shuffleable pawns on a board. In there is the GMU. There's the Game Makers Union. Um, there are unionization efforts, um, and then you know, not to get too overly uh, political, but uh, it just reinforces that the games industry is still an industry. It's it's not... Um, you know, money is in constant battle with art, and artists have to bow in one way or another to money to be able to get distribution, and this is just another example of that uh, sort of manifesting itself in these abuses and it's just sad that it happens it happens in film it happens in games it happens in in you know literature publishing it, it happens in in any kind of service job and you know manufacturing it's just uh you know unionize we, you know, we need we need we need a labor movement back because <laughs> it's not it's not good it's not it's not okay and it's it's fucked up what about this is the kind of thing that you see in in you know Mad Men or something. You think that this is ancient history, the idea of you know female employees in sort of like secretarial positions being treated as objects this is the kind of thing that you would would figure and uh, would hope had been relegated to the '60s and that we had moved away from it. But uh, it it is another one of those things goes to show you that you can't just legislate bad behaviors out of people and it's really sad
1: you know one last thing that that comes to mind and not to like you know police who you follow on twitter and stuff or whatever but like i'm really noticing what big figures in the video game industry aren't talking about this i haven't seen greg miller say a single thing he has a huge audience and this week he's just been making joke tweets about a pickle company like i don't know Like, vote with your follow, too, I guess. Like, follow people who are talking about this stuff, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because this is is important. And real, real quick before we move on, I have seen people online say, oh, it's because they were bought out by Activision and they brought their culture Mm -hmm. into it. No, if you look at the the lawsuit, which we have in the description as a PDF, they are citing people who were a part of the company before Activision ever came into the picture. Like, this has probably been their culture for a long time.
1: I've seen dozens of tweets from women who have said, like, I've worked at Blizzard for 20 years and this has been the bulk of my experience there. Like, this is not a new thing. And stop, like, look, I've always been pretty vocal about liking Blizzard games. Like, they're not your friends, they're a company, and don't feel like you have to defend them because it makes you feel weird about liking their products. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, people definitely project their their taste somewhat onto these stories and, and try to figure out ways to um, you know, come come out of this without feeling conflicted about where their loyalties lie. But you don't you don't have to be you don't have to be loyal to art you like, right? Yeah. Not everything that you like is, first of all, made by one person with a with a clean vision. And and second of all, made by people who are going to be like reflections of their work. I mean I don't know, man. Yeah, it's it's like there's so many game companies making great games. When when you but when you have a, a large budget and you have a corporate structure and you have hundreds of developers working on one product, you are still a that that's still a corporate entity working within a system that does not now and has not ever ever prioritized the people lower on the totem pole in fact they've always been used at the expense of the people on top I mean people talk about this all the time with with billionaires at a societal scale but like it's not just on that scale right yeah like you 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 work at like a hotel as like a like a bellhop then the the guy who owns the hotel is your enemy too like that's oh it's just how this stuff works and it's it's uh, it's really sad, and it keeps happening, and it's going to keep happening. Okay. You know, whatever. Real, real speedy.
2: Breaking, breaking <laughs> news before we end, because we're a little bit over time. What um, happened? The Warcraft team just tweeted out that they are removing an NPC named after a person who was indicated in this. Huh. Uh, so okay. That's, that's all they're doing. It's just a symbolic change and performative action instead of actually doing anything to, to fix their company's culture. Um, Sick. And they do, they do a it. lot of performative action, so keep an eye out for that, because they're going to
0: announce... Well, the, the lawsuit was was just filed a couple days ago, right? It was, yeah. So there might still be something in the pipeline. We're Hopefully. We're not totally sure yet Hopefully. what they will do. Um, you might, you know, you, listener, look, look up the story when you're, this episode comes out, because it'll have been five, six days since we recorded it, and pro- probably there'll be something new to read about. So... Okay. Look into that.
1: Oh. Well, any jokes? Nope. Let's.
2: I've got a joke for you. Blizzard. What's that?
1: Got him. Um, All right, joke. Uh, look at him go. Feeling chill. I don't got one. I don't <laughs> have one. I don't, I don't got it, you guys. But I that's got it. okay. Don't always get a joke about stuff. I
0: got it. Why did the three hosts of the Emerald Games cast... I'll say their names. Why? Because it's the end of the show.
1: Wow, that was the worst joke I've ever heard. I've
0: been Nolan. I'm, With me has been. I'm Janelle. And also, as always. I'm Alex. And uh, if you want to send us um, some.
1: Money. Some, no. <laughs>
0: some messages. Uh, we, have, we have an email. EmeraldGamesCast at gmail.com. You can send us questions, send us comments, send us topics, whatever the heck you want. We'll read them all. Talk about them all. We also have a Twitter at ODEGamesCast, Gamescast um, where you can tweet us or message us and then in the bio of that Twitter there is a link to a Google form. That Google form also goes to our email so you can send whatever questions you like there as well. So you've got all kinds of options. You know what that means, listener? You have no excuse. Someone's gotta do it. Someone's it's been like
1: it.
0: it's been like seven, eight weeks, I think. So
1: <laughs> come on guys.
0: Not nah, just kidding. We have a whole pile of mail. We have so much, we can't read it.
1: <laughs> we have so much mail. We just don't even look at it. We have so it.
0: much mail, we can't yeah, read it. Yeah. No, for real, though. It's been a, it's been a drought of comment and comments, and uh, those are fun. So if you have them, send us our way. Otherwise, um, yeah, that's him Gamescast episode 70. Come back for 71. See you later.
1: Ciao. Ciao.
0: Bye.